Welcome everybody to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, Celia and I will be discussing We Light the Way, which is the fifth episode in season one of this House of Dragons show. I haven't been doing this in the past couple of weeks, so just a reminder that if you want to get notifications when our episodes become available, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you recommend this to your friends and family, anybody who might be watching these shows so we can grow our audience. Reach out to us if you have your own takes on the show. Need some introduction at gmail.com. And later this week, we will be continuing to cover a show we're not really enjoying that much, Sona and I, <laughs> The Patient on Hulu. We're hoping that it will get better. And we will also, I believe, be discussing the new Netflix comedy thriller, Do Revenge. That was really good. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. I have not seen it yet. So have not, I don't have my reaction yet, but maybe we'll bring you in on that conversation also. So yeah. And also I will be reviewing later in the week, same episode, probably the new Olivia Wilde, very controversial film for no apparent reason, <laughs> just all behind the scenes stuff. Don't worry, darling, with Harry Styles and Florence Pugh starring, which just played the film festivals and had very mixed, mixed reaction. But I do hear it has a huge twist in it, which I'm curious to see. And that is coming out this weekend. And I will be reviewing it. Full spoilers for anybody who has happens to be watching that this weekend as well. And I think a lot of people, at least for the first weekend, will be turning out, given all the behind-the-scenes shenanigans with that movie. Yeah, that's all later in the week. What will they say of me when their histories are written? I have neither fought nor conquered, nor suffered any great defeat. Some might call that good fortune. It hardly makes a good song, does it? To be sung at feasts in a hundred years. Five hundred. You have carried King Jaehaerys' legacy and kept the realm strong. Is it not better to live in peace than to have songs sung after you are dead? Perhaps. There is a part of me wishes I'd been tested. I often think that in the crucible, I may have been forged a different man. Many that are tested only wish to have been spared it. Another lord might assure me that I would rise like Egon the Conqueror, given the chance. Your Grace, that is your right. You're right. As always. It is perhaps best not to know. But let's get started and break down this most recent episode, once again directed by Claire Kilmer, just as she did last week. Parts of this, speaking of directing, parts of this I thought were very well directed. Parts of it were a little iffier for me, but we do open beautifully with this, I believe, a drone shot of this huntress going out to kill a deer. I think she's out deer hunting. Turns out this is Damon's wife, this hideous woman, <laughs> according to, to, to him. He just hates her. She's not even remotely hideous. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely not. Exactly. And uh, we don't know if it's because she has a strong will or because she maybe is consistently making fun of his erectile dysfunction, <laughs> but she does not, he's not, she's not on the best terms with him, obviously, and mocks him. She says, are you back here, husband, finally to consummate our marriage? That's not the only <laughs> dig she gets in on him, by the, by the way. And it uh, turns out that he is actually there to murder her. <laughs> <laughs> to open up a uh, you know position. I told you he had problems with his functions. <laughs> yeah, she not only gets a dig, dig on him for saying, "Are you here finally to consummate 
your marriage, but basically startles her horse. The horse, you know, throws her and lands on her, which, you know, probably paralyzed her even then at that moment, but leaves her behind to, to die out there in the wild, I guess. And he, she gets one more dig in on him. She goes, you still can't finish. Can you? Oh my God. Well, he does go pick up a rock and does finish her off on the off screen. Luckily. I think she meant for him to do that oh, rather yes. than have, have her lay there. Picked that by vultures. <clears throat> we see poor Viserys, not a dragon rider and uh, not very good on the ships either, apparently, vomiting all over the place. And it turns out he is out to sea to make the offer to Corliss and his wife, whose name, everybody's names are so similar. It's so confusing. <laughs> his wife was Rhea. We have Renera, and we have Rhaenys, who is Corliss's wife, who was the queen that never was, actually. All the most interesting scenes, I think, here in this uh, episode involve Alicent, I should say. And very importantly, by the way, the name of this episode is We Light the Way, which is the motto, I think it would be called, of the Hightower family. So this is about the Hightowers, and it's that Alicent is showing her allegiance, not to the Targaryens here, but to the Hightowers. And we see it multiple times here. It begins with Otto giving her a very pragmatic, but cruel and cold piece of advice that as he's been kicked out as the hand, we're picking up almost immediately after last week. You know, we've been jumping sometimes years between these episodes. This one's almost instantaneously after last week's episode, probably within the week. Otto is leaving town, basically. He's lost his position as the hand, and he warns Alicent. The realm will not accept her, and to secure her claim, she'll have to put your children to the sword. She'll have no choice. You know it. You're no fool, and yet you choose not to see it. He's trying to be nice to her. He's trying to give her some fatherly advice, but he gives it to her in a very cruel way, but it is probably valid advice, saying that they're not going to accept Renera as the ruler. Whether you like it or not, Alicent, there's going to be factions that are going to think your son should be the king. And even if Renera is your friend, she's going to have to kill your son, <laughs> to, basically to prevent a war. It's, you know, that is actually the intelligent thing that she will have to do. So you can either prepare your son to lead now or bow down in front of the queen and hope that when push comes to shove, she spares you guys, which you know, he's basically saying that's not the right approach. I think he's right. Yep. And that Renera probably doesn't realize she yes. even has to do this thing. But when push comes to shove, like you were talking about last week, where she will use violence if she needs to, she would either kill or hide away in a tower somewhere. Is that something they did back then? <laughs> the other heir. So both options, not great. Exactly. I have a question about yeah. this series in general, but I noticed it more this episode because it was just so beautiful. Yeah. How much of this is CGI? Where are these locations? I think everything has CGI in it now. There's like so frequently um, used, like even in dramas and stuff, they'll like CGI the sky or something like that. So I think that there's that type of thing that happens constantly. Like probably every shot has CGI in it. But I'd say that in you know if, uh, history is any indicator that like when they did the game of thrones they had actual locations so for example the we see it here again the a cave on the uh, island where you can like th this is that's an actual location so those are actual beaches that they shoot on the dragonstone though this kind of sharded 
um, caves with the kind of uh, volcanic glass inside of them. That's an actual location, like somewhere in, um, uh, I think, off the coast of Africa. And they shoot all over, like the Game of Thrones shot all over the world. I know that there's a lot of shooting in Spain and Portugal for this uh, show, but I don't know location by location. I am sure there are websites out there that break down the locations of each one. But that's going to be like, for example, Portugal is literally preparing for a tourist boom based on this film because those filming locations are going to become tourist attractions for sure. Yeah, there's the town of Just Rocks or something. Yes. That's supposed to be really fascinating to look at. Yeah, that was my question because it was a beautiful episode. Yeah. Every scene was beautiful, gorgeous. And that's where I would say that, you know, uh, I was talking about what was really well-directed and what was less well-directed. I'll spoil it now before we get to it. But I thought that some of the suspense in the wedding sequence at the end was protracted in a way that didn't work for me. Uh, but I would say, like you were saying, to your point, that the the vistas, the, the the scenery in this was just like sumptuous. Like just, just that opening sequence where you see Rhea riding across that uh, open field. And that beautiful drone shot of the, the countryside. And, you know, we just meet her and then she gets butchered a minute later. But once again, just beautiful. And the way she encounters Damon in that kind of the, the crag between that leads up to the castle, just like really beautifully done. Yeah. I want everyone to watch this on, and this sounds really spoiled or whatever, but if you have a big screen TV with like lots and lots of pixels, 4K, it is fantastic <laughs> looking. Yeah. Yeah, obviously they've spent the money and, and it shows. Okay, so back to the plot there. We have Allison and his her father. He's giving her good advice, although it is cold comfort, but it is probably true. We have another very interesting scene with Allison. Once again, she goes back to the godswood. She's there very frequently, by the way. She's 90% of the time, if you want to know where she is, she's probably hanging out at the godswood under and near that weird tree, the weirwood tree. And while she's there, it turns out that there is a new hand. You know, as we saw, Otto was displaced. And honestly, the past couple episodes, every single time Lionel, every, every time Lionel has given him advice, it's been good advice. So guess what? Not strangely at all. Lionel Strong is now his hand. And as we noticed in an earlier episode, the scene where they had the festivities on the, the hunt for Aegon's second birthday, we see that Lionel has a very strong son. Not ironic that his name is strong. And he has a lame son. But this lame son is good at listening and good at maybe playing politics. The weather has been lovely. Indeed. And yet it is a dark day for the realm. Your father was a good man. As is yours, he took his place. And still, the manner of your father's departure feels something of an injustice. What do you know of the manner of his leaving? When one is never invited to speak, one learns instead to um, observe. You're perhaps in need of an ally. I'm the queen. I have no shortage of allies. Naturally. Princess Rhaenyra, for example. Maybe this is the Tyrion character we've been hoping to see, by the way. That would be amazing. So his name is Laris. And like I said, you know, he's not strong like his brother, but so he has to have power in other ways. And we saw him, for example, sitting in with these gossiping women. But of course, gossip is power in its own way. And here he is planting a seed in Alicent's mind. And this guy's very well connected, maybe because his dad's the hand, maybe just because he's got his little whisper network inside the castle. But he knows about Renera getting the tea the night that she went out. And Allison starts to think, hmm, what could this tea be? This abortive tea that she received. And she pretty much knows right away that is the sickness, quote unquote, that she was probably suffering from. Because once again, this is very shortly thereafter, probably just within days, she seems fine enough to be jumping on a ship and heading out to 
Driftmark to uh, meet with the Valerians. So once again, another seed planted. And this is the rift I was discussing last week. I kind of mentioned that I felt that there is going to be a rift when Allison feels this betrayal from Renera. And here it is, the beginning of that rift forming. We didn't see Rhea get killed on screen, but we do find out here in the conversation between Viserys and Corlys that Rhea is indeed, indeed dead. And most likely that Damon will be inheriting that land. They don't have any heirs because, you know, as we know, he has his problems. And a couple interesting things happen here. Viserys flinches when his cousin grabs his hand because he's probably lost more fingers. And he's just not doing well at all. Like, we just know that things are getting worse and worse for him physically. And there's also this niggling about what is going to be the naming, you know, convention. It's like, okay, well, the son will have this name, but when he becomes king, he will be, uh, you know, will become a Targaryen again. And they pretty much agree to this, you know, like that, you know, that your son in blood is going to be king one day. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's good enough. We, even, let's not quibble about the names. And uh, they do push back enough, just a, a little bit, just to make a show of it. But they're pretty happy with this, actually. They even say it when they're in private, that they're pretty happy with this situation. However, the mother, the queen, Rhaenys, says, you know what? They never accepted me as queen. That's why Viserys is in the position he's in right now. They're not going to accept Rhaenyra. There's going to be a fight about this. And we are putting our son in the crosshairs of this the mur murderous hordes one day. And she's probably right, right? Once again, people are being very practical. This opportunity you can't give up that you know your son could rise to be king one day, but it could be very short-lived if there's a civil war that kills him, right? Uh, but they do have dragons. That's one thing, right? They have nuclear weapons, basically. Uh, but another thing we find out here is there is a question of Lenore's, 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 I haven't pronounced the name. Once again, can't pronounce these names. Lenore's true nature, which we kind of suspect here, but we see explicitly soon thereafter. So what did you think about this whole sequence? I think it's interesting that the mom is calling out legitimately the risk that they might be putting their son in, right? I thought she meant a lot of risks besides just getting blown up in a civil war or whatever. I think she's also concerned that everyone's going to find out what his true nature is. And that is also going to be a problem. Well, everybody knows that already, it seems to be. So I don't think that's going to be the well, issue. Like the commoners don't know it and the rest of only their circle knows it. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to follow the template of Game of Thrones, when you think about them doing those like street performances, not only in this show, but back in Game of Thrones, like it seems to be the commoners, all the gossip is out. <laughs> they know everything that's going on out there. So I, but I, to that point, I mean, she's specifically mentioning in this conversation that they're not going to let the queen rule and they have a firstborn son. So she is specifically saying that knives are out for her for, I mean, in other words, the knives are going to be out for Renera. And obviously, if Renera dies, then he, as the king, becomes the king. So he's just the next in line to be executed so that the firstborn son can rule. Right. So I think that is the, the main concern she has. And I think it's a legitimate one. Right. I mean, if Renera is going to be deposed, he's not going to last there either, one way or the other. Well, there's really nothing they could do about that except. Reject the wedding. Well, also. there's really, yeah, except reject the wedding, but right. that's not something they could do either if they want to maintain their status. This is a whole bunch of people doing stuff they don't want to do. Yes, yes, that's a good except point. Except yeah. for Renera, who I think is into this. Yeah, she so is then... drunk on the power, but everyone else is not. 
look like they would like to do any of the things you're doing. Maybe Damon. Yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to what Damon does by the end of the week, uh, by the end of the episode, because he makes a second choice, <laughs> a knee-jerk one, but might work out for him as well. But the next thing we see is we see, speaking of Renera, she's walking on the beach with Linaris. They have a conversation about whether you like goose or you like duck. I got confused by this conversation because <laughs> as um, Laner's uh, boyfriend says later, that uh, am I the goose or the duck? And I got confused by that also, because I'm like, if we use that metaphor, Aren't they both into goose or both into duck? So I'm a little confused as the metaphor. I don't know, because she said, oh, you know, one of them's too greasy. Too greasy for her. Like, be... which one? Exactly. Yeah. What, is, what does that even mean? You said the duck was too greasy. <laughs> yeah, not, so, I mean, once again, I'm not sure if the metaphor was perfect. I'm perfect. confused by that, too. I was like, so what does that mean? Which one's the duck? What did he say? Oh, I happen to like what more than what? Now we, then we'll know. That's why it's confusing that it's one or the other. And like I said, his boy, <laughs> his boyfriend even calls it out later going like, hold on a second. Was I the duck or goose? Because <laughs> uh, I think everybody's confused by this metaphor. But the it's gist very it, realistic that they would just keep bringing it up. <laughs> they do uh, just the gist of it they get, which is what she is now echoing Damon once again, echoing Damon in that. Look, we get married. We do what we need to do. But other than that, we pursue whatever we want to pursue. But like what they need to do is so unnatural to each other. Like, how's that going to go? Like, he has to get her pregnant. That's what they need to do. Smile at each other and pretend we're friends, but we're really not. You know, so when we're not in school, I really don't want to talk to you. Like, they're going to have to procreate. Well, there are ways to procreate. Even like Damon with his problem with, uh, I mean, his problem is that he can't finish, period, right? So he's not going to be able, even if you have a artificial... Um, uh, uh, you know, even if you use other means, you're still you're not producing anything to impregnate anybody with. So that's the, that's the real problem. We won't get into the we won't get into the logistics of all that. But <laughs> I have a question about that. If he has all this problem finishing, which I thought was the case from scene one, because right. they're all like we've trying, seen multiple well, times. Maybe this yeah. will help you. Right. Or maybe right. if a white wig will help you. If right. he's got all these problems finishing, was he hoping that Renera was the answer to his problem? Because he looked pretty confident up until he couldn't do it. Maybe. I mean, in the books, uh, this is in the Game of Thrones books, that Danny's uh, brother going all the way back to the beginning, the very first uh, Game of Thrones novel or the Song of Ice and Fire books, that in the very first one, he is sexually attracted to his sister. And like, basically, he he's only attracted to her, right? So they don't consummate it in the book, but you know, he's very lecherous anyway. But the uh, but anyway, my point is that maybe, maybe this is, he thinks that she is the fix for his um, problem. But he had issues with that as well when he finally had the moment, right? So yeah, he just can't. Yeah, perhaps. Make that makes him mad. He does really impulsive, awful things. They're all terrible things. Remember when we were like, maybe he's the Lannister guy and he's really so sweet inside and he just is trying to protect his people. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think so. I do like that the show has made him so ambiguous. In other words, he is always doing the wrong thing. <laughs> He's always bad, right? But maybe it's in the performance. Maybe it's in the direction. They still make you 
curious about his motivations, even though it's just like whatever bad thing is going to happen, he's going to do it. Right. But he has kept that mystique, even though he's probably not, like you said, he's not conflicted in the way that Jamie was in the Game of Thrones uh, show. But anyway, yeah, I think he's, I still think they're doing a good job of, of and, and maybe it's the performance. Maybe it's just that he's making a compelling enough argument that you just want, no matter how bad he is, you're just kind of like, well, I hope he gets better. I hope he's, I hope he's not this bad all the way through, but maybe, maybe that's all he is. I think they're doing a really good job with the vibe of the show, too. Yeah, yeah. And I see where people would think it was too slow. Carlos is trying to watch it, and he walked in in the chicken-duck conversation, and he's like, oh, and now they're wandering the shores planning their meal. Or I'm like, no, no, this is about whether or not he likes one sex or another. And it's like, no, you know, that's not what's happening. So he doesn't really understand what's happening because he keeps checking out because he thinks it's taking too long. What I think needs to happen for us to really understand and love the show is to just become immersed in it the entire time, like you and I are doing. I love this show. Yeah, I'm totally into the show. And once again, I have a huge problem with people who this is the same kind of thing that happened to the Sopranos, by the way, where people like, remember game of thrones and they have a version of the game of thrones in their mind that they're like i watch game of thrones and it was like swashbuckling beheadings every five minutes and the reality is that in the first season of game of thrones they have one action sequence at the beginning we see the white walkers by the way in the very very first episode very first sequence of the very first episode and then we have some violence towards the end of season one and that is it the rest of the time people are in rooms talking to each other that is the entirety of the show People don't remember that. They're like, oh my God, there were dragons everywhere. The dragons don't show up until season two and they're babies, right? So people have got to chill out and remember the actual show. It's the same thing with The Sopranos. I love when people say, oh man, I can't watch The Sopranos anymore. This is when it was like in its fifth or sixth season. They're like in season one, like they were killing two or three people per episode. And now like you'll be lucky to have one person die. It's like two people died in the first season of The Sopranos. They were not killing people every single week. People have a completely misrepresented memory of what actually happened. Go back and watch Game of Thrones. It is incredibly slow, incredibly slow. So there's just more families. Yes, there was more. You had more characters. Yes, absolutely. Which I do agree might make this feel slower because you have a much smaller pool of characters you're following. I totally agree with that for sure. But when people it are does saying, make like, it feel slower. Oh, they're talking. I'm like, what? what that Game of Thrones is 95% talking. <laughs> <laughs> think about it people love Tyrion. all Tyrion ever did in every scene he's in he's not an action star Tyrion was talking talking and talking sometimes for 15 you know or 20 what minutes makes straight. this feel slower they'll spend a lot of time sometimes an entire episode nearly in this case for example the castle that wedding yeah. takes up most of the episode and a lot of it is in this beautiful room in Game of Thrones, because there were so many storylines, so many different kingdoms, it felt like You'd move it around. felt faster because yeah. first you're on one side of the world, then you're on another side of the world. Then that might be why. Once again, I would remind people that in season one, you're primarily following uh, Ned's family and uh, you're not moving around that much. So once again, this is the first season of the show. You cannot compare it to the last season where you have 10 different people on 10 different continents and 10 different storylines. That is not the show. I found this is way more action-packed than the first season of Game of Thrones, which had very, very little action, right? Had a lot of people talking about this is the 
why this king should be the king. This is why this person should be the king. You know, like there was a lot of laying the table of who the families are, what the hierarchy is, what their history is. Like there's a lot of that in season one. And I think people forget that. I'm more engaged in this one versus that because that was confusing to me. I had to follow like eight different lineages. Like this guy should be king. Because, I had to take you know, notes. I watched the first season and I loved it. But then, you know how there's a time period and then season two comes out? I had to rewatch, and I like doing this anyway, so I didn't mind because I do this a lot. But I specifically had to rewatch the first season leading up to season two because it is a little confusing. In the Game of Thrones books, if you read the books, when you open it up in the very first page, they have a family tree, they have a map where all the families live, who's a cousin to who, you know, who's in the chain of command. Like if this person dies and this guy, then this guy, then this guy. And of course you need to see all that to know like, why is this guy stabbing his brother's back? It's like, yeah, because he's the third in line. If he kills him, now he's second in line. So you need to see this whole graph of stuff. And uh, like I said, I found that very tedious, you know, until you got into the show. I, in a way, prefer this for the fact that I would agree that if this is the only eight or nine characters we follow for multiple seasons of the show, that would be frustrating over time. But I think that this is more streamlined for me. It's much easier for me to follow. And it allows me to appreciate the things that I do like, which are this kind of like the machinations and the personal problems. Like we luxuriate, once again, in this episode, like you were bringing up before, we get to luxuriate in the, the consequences of people's actions. So isn't this great? This is exactly what I wanted. My son is now in the lineage to be the king. Unless he gets killed, right? That's one problem. And then on the other hand, you brought it up already that everybody's kind of like making compromises here once again, except for we have Renera, who thinks like, oh, to get back into the plot of the episode, gets to have everything she wants. She has this surface level understanding of what's happened. Very sadly, the very next scene we get to is where Kristen as with her on the ship, he approaches her without his armor on, importantly. And he basically says, not as a knight, you not as a princess, let's run off, let's be nameless and have a love marriage and live our lives together. He is so delusional. Yes. He is crazy to even ask her to do that. It sounds crazy on paper, except for, this is where I think that importantly, this episode in large part is about the consequences of her actions is because she has this fantasy of how things are going to be based on what Damon told her and based on just what the way she wants things to be. But Kristen, on the other hand, she says, oh, don't worry about it. Let me tell you my plan. I'm going to marry. I'm going to, you know, strengthen the kingdom. There's all these other aspects to this. And guess what? You get to hang around with me and be my, you know, consort, you know, on the side, like my, you know, secret consort. And Kristen, of course, is shocked by this because he already knew that he made this compromise before he took a vow of chastity, et cetera. And he throws it in her face. He goes, hold on a second. I took a vow of chastity. You came on to me. I did this thing. And now I'm going to be your whore. He literally uses that term. He's absolutely right. Like, think about it. His entire identity, his entire role in this society is out the window completely. And it gets worse <laughs> before the episode is old. The thing is, though, that when he's asking her to do this thing, to redeem him, basically, it's not a realistic thing to ask her to do. He should just man up and accept that he was used, you know, and now he is suicidal. Yes. Like he's, he's, he's also a weak character. 
not in his strength because he will step in front of anything and protect whomever really, but he's mentally weak. Maybe he was looking for meaning and it took him, it took him a long time to come to the decision to be this, what is it? The night decision. He doesn't have a decision. Like, I mean, that's the, that's the point I'm trying to make. So this is the, you know, once again, everybody has very limited options in this world. He can be like, you know, living in the streets like a bum, or he can have this pretty high placement in like being protector of the princess in this circumstance, he did give in to temptation. Obviously, he was attracted to her and she was attracted to him. And he should have said no. He should have just walked out of there, obviously. Right. That should have been the right decision. But then he's like saying, OK, I'm attracted to her. And now he's trying to make the best of the situation. And he has no options now. Like you said, he's going to have to live with this shame or whatever else. To that direct point, we have the queen calling him into her chambers in the very next scene. He misreads the scene. He's being called there to prove out this story that Renera had sex with her uncle. And instead he goes, she had sex with me. And think about that. He's saying that they're supposed to geld him, which means they'll, you know, remove his testicles and then send him to the wall. You know, that's where the, all the shunned knights and everything go is beyond the wall where we know the wall from Game of Thrones, right? Up in the cold north. So he's like, don't geld me and send me to the wall. I'd rather you just kill me. So this is her it's options, <laughs> right? The queen does not. The queen says, it's okay. You're dismissed. Really what he should have done, he's just tortured is what I meant yes, before. Think about where he's at at that moment. Well, right? not, why he, be tortured? I think you're having a contemporary view of this guy's existence. You think about the Middle Ages. You, there's only a few jobs you can have, or you are like living in the streets, like all those ruffians out there scrounging a living or stealing stuff. These are your options. He's not royalty. You know, he's probably has a, 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 a dad who's like somewhat highborn. These are the options he's got. Right. So this is it. Right. So and now yeah, he but, has blown that he's blown that his only chance. Right. So. Yeah. But he when he went and had sex with her, was he like thinking that was he thinking, oh, yeah, I took a vow of chastity, but I'm going to then marry her when we're done. Or did he wake up and go, I can't believe I did that. How can I redeem this decision? I'll ask her to marry me. She's not going to marry him and wander away from her kingdom. He does not know this. That's what I'm questioning. I'm not saying he doesn't know it. I'm saying that here's somebody who did something that he wanted to do, right? And now after the fact, he has to deal the consequences of that. And yeah, the reality of seeing her marry someone else, the reality of the fact that He's, you know, explicitly, you know, having to witness this in front of his face on a daily basis while she is still going to like hook up with him when they get back to the castle is going to start bothering him in the way that many people in the real world put themselves into very complicated these situations where they're like, I think I can accept this, this situation. I can accept the situation. And then after a few months, they're like, I can't accept this situation. <laughs> right. So it's I think it's just the reality of how people actually behave. They act a certain way because they want what they want. They get what they want. And then. He could be like, I know we did that, but I'm never going to do it again. I took a vow. I feel bad that that happened. Like her character, I feel like she'd be like, well, that sucks, but okay. Because she's just playing with people right now. She's like a brat. Yes, that's exactly the problem in a way. Yep. Okay. So, <laughs> so this happens. <laughs> Kristen is not going to get what he wants, obviously. He ends up at with the queen. The queen calls him to 
to her chambers first of all very horny tapestries on the wall i just noticed for the first time not sure why he's got all these like people having sex and different configurations on the wall that the king maybe needs a little extra something to get him going or maybe that's just targaryen artwork i don't know but regardless with that as a backdrop we have the queen and Kristen having this conversation he's very uncomfortable obviously he thinks he has been found out so this is the kind of tension that he's living under day to day and uh, he confesses, and she doesn't even realize, the, qu the queen doesn't even realize that this is the thing that has happened. He, she's trying to reinforce the story that was told to her dad. Now, interestingly, she is really, really hurt by this, but it is only like a half lie in a way, because what Rhaenyra was saying, and I'd have to go back and rewatch that entire scene, but Rhaenyra says that, in other words, this is a lie, this did not happen between her and Damon, right? So it's still like a half truth. Like Rhaenyra can almost have deniability in her version of reality. But of course, the queen, uh, Alicent, does take this as a slight because she knows if they were real friends, she's not like a lawyer, if they were real friends, she would have told her everything that happened. She wouldn't have just been like, well, I can, if I just say these words in this way, I can still sneak my way out of this. And obviously, Alicent does take that in a hurtful way. And uh, she literally declares war <laughs> in uh, the course of this uh, rest of this episode. <laughs> I feel bad for these girls, but I do think that the show is doing a really good job of showing how they're relating to each other. Is It's getting more and more difficult to relate to one another. There's going to be a rift coming much faster than I thought in the beginning, yeah. although maybe not because they jump so far ahead in years that maybe these conversations and the half-truths that she's saying because they're not really friends. They really can't trust each other anymore. I feel like when they get older, there's going to be a big division between them when the show jumps, uh, what, 10 years next time? Is that mm. what's happening? About that, yeah. So this is explaining the rift in a really great way that yeah. is about to come. Yep, yeah, agreed. So then we have our wedding day. A lot of tension being built up. They're kind of trying to get us thinking this is maybe Red Wedding 2.0, maybe. But uh, not as eventful as the Red Wedding, obviously, from Game of Thrones. Still pretty interesting and pretty bad the way things run here. Maybe the, my favorite part of this whole thing is when Jason Lannister shows up and is like, oh, you've made a very good choice. And there's like this kind of <laughs> slurring each other with compliments. Congratulations, Your Grace. You have made a fine match for the princess. Thank you, Lord Jason. I could think of no better man than Selena. Well, if this is only the welcome feast, I admit I cannot imagine what you might have planned for the wedding. Oh, my daughter is the future queen. I wanted this to be a wedding for the histories. Where is the queen? I had hoped to pay my respects. I understand the queen is still readying herself for the celebrations. This is why men wage war. Because a woman would never be ready for the battle in time. <laughs> your presence is always such a pleasure, Lord Jason. Princess, your grace. And her eye rolling at yes. him is very much something that would happen at her age. Yeah, well, she's just like, she's like, always a pleasure. <laughs> you know what she means. <laughs> I would love it if those two got married. Oh my God, they could, maybe that's what they're setting up. Maybe someday. That would be so fun. Alison, of course, is not there. They even ask, where is Alison? She has not arrived. And then, of course, the king is just about to start his introduction to everybody. This is going to be like a one-week event of festivities, and there's going to be a tournament like they had previously. 
Doesn't he throw the worst parties? Oh, they always go badly, right? There's never been a good one of these things. Always terrible. They're catastrophic. <laughs> yes. And uh, very importantly, as he's starting his speech, who shows up? Damon himself. And they're like, okay, pull up a chair for Damon. Of course, that's uncomfortable. Very awkward. Very awkward. He starts a speech. Here's what's the, on the agenda for today, for the next seven days, blah, 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 blah. And then like deep into his speech, all of a sudden, Allison shows up. She's usually in the background. Here she is drawing everyone's attention to herself and wearing green, which is the war color of the high towers. So very interesting. And how cute. <laughs> and like it was open in the front, just kind of held together with the little wires. And you could see her tiny cleavage. That was a very <laughs> nice dress. It was. It was gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, everybody. What an entrance. And then we see many, many, many awkward, this awkward dance that they're doing with each other. There's uh, awkward glances between everybody in the audience. Like there's literally like at least five minutes, maybe more, maybe like eight minutes of awkward glances. And it's almost like you could strip away all the audio from this and it would be hilarious. <laughs> I want someone to put that on YouTube. Just, just these looking at him and then he looks at her and then what's she doing? And then of course, meanwhile, Viserys kind of clueless to all of this, like chopping away at these little birds that he's eating. We have a couple of interesting interactions here. We have Alicent meets with Lord uh, Hightower, who says that uh, the old town always stands with you. Once again, interesting. She's drawing her allegiance to her family blood. And you know, they talk about Otto, and she's making sure that things are still strong for her. So she's kind of making a power play here, especially as she knows, right? She knows, inevitably, the king is getting weaker and weaker. Damon, meanwhile, also has an interesting interaction with the uncle of Rhea, who calls him out, calls him out directly as a murderer. And then Damon goes, oh, by the way, <laughs> even though you're like slandering me right now, just a reminder that I'm going to inherit that land. And I think I'll see you in a little while when I go, you know, inherit my land and go talk to uh, his sister, I guess, who is uh, in charge of the, the lands right now, which kind of shuts this guy up. Very awkward situation. Yet again, lots of awkward situations. And we're waiting to see what is going to finally detonate here. And the thing that finally makes this party go ass up <laughs> in the worst possible way is that Kristen gets confronted by Laner's boyfriend, who, by the way, was very happy with the circumstance. He's going to be like, you know, the consort for the king and the queen's aware of it and everything's kind of cool. And he goes over to Kristen to be like, hey, and by the way, he's just like a, a detective or something. He just figured this out from looking at all those glances. He's very observant, apparently, and figured out, oh, I think I know who she's sleeping with. And let me go just feel him out, right? And be like, hey, look, buddy, I know what's going on. And I'm cool with it. We're all cool with each other, right? But that is not how Kristen sees this at all, right? She's telling everyone about this. The queen knows. This random dude knows. And he finally blows his top, beats this guy. <laughs> I mean, he basically takes his face off, right? He beats him so badly. That was very unexpected. Yes. Yeah. This guy's dead. And uh, instead of having a party for seven days, they have a shotgun wedding. They're like, all right, we're skipping all this stuff. We're getting married right now. Getting this thing done with. Very sadly, Laner has to like get married while he's still like crying over the death of um, his boyfriend. The king collapses. And then we also see like a rat sneaks in to drink a little bit of blood, a little bit of the blood from the, the festivities. So it's like the rats are there to feast. And uh, I think that's how the episode ends, right? Yeah. Oh, wait, that's not how the episode ends. I forgot one more scene we got to talk about, which is that Kristen, after doing this horrible, shameful thing, he's basically like, I have no honor left at all. I'm going to go to the God's wood. I thought he was going to hang himself, but no, he's just going to kill himself right in front of the weir tree. But guess what? Who always hangs out in the God's wood? It's Alicent and Alicent intercedes and saves his life, which means 
he's still going to be around. During this marriage, the guy who mar- murdered Elena's his lover, <laughs> is still going to be around, hanging around the kiss- castle. So it, there's obviously going to be lots of plot stuff for Kristen to do. They're not letting him survive for no reason. But very interesting that she comes here to save Kristen, keep him as a weapon, a tool for the future, because he knows something about the queen that she can use against her. And that is how we end the episode. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen with that. Yeah. I like this Allison's character. Me too. I do too. I think like she is much tougher than we gave her credit for. Yeah, I agree. They, she, I think this actress has done a great job, Emily Carey, here. And by the way, I do want to call that out. If you don't like to know what's on the next episode of the show, you want to go in cold, then you may want to skip ahead a couple of minutes. But I will talk about what we do see in the coming attractions. And to your point, Celia, Emily Carey, the actress who's been playing this Allison character, is being replaced by a really uh, great actress in the next episode, Olivia Cook, which I just talked about her in our review of Thoroughbreds in a couple of weeks back. Son and I watched that movie. Really great actress coming on board to play this character. But we do lose this actress who, to your point, has been doing a great job, I think, of starting off as this very timid, shy, kind, and little by little has been hardened by these circumstances. And she's showing some metal here. Like you said, she now without her dad pulling her strings, you're like, oh, is she going to be eaten up by all this politicking? Absolutely not. She has found her own voice and she is making moves. And maybe that is where this Laris Strong character may become an advisor for her. So maybe that's why they're introducing him here at this moment. And also, by the way, we also lose Millie Alcott, the actress who's playing the young Princess Renera, and she's being replaced by another actress in the next uh, episode. So I do hope we get to like those actresses as much as we've liked these actresses. And as I predicted, we're splitting the season in half between these two cast members. And yeah, we jump at least 10 years into the future, like you said, you know, because we have these new cast members. Once again, (laughs) spoilers, if you guys jump ahead, if you don't want to know this, you may assume given all the decomposition we saw of Viserys in this episode, he is still alive. He's still kicking. And of course, his son is now a teenager. So it's kind of like more and more probable that he is a legitimate heir to the throne. And that's all next week. It was a good episode. I think everyone should watch it on a giant screen TV <laughs> where you can find one. Lots of pixels. Very pretty. And I'm going to miss these actresses because the Renera character is really good, too. Yes. I like the whole bratty yep. teenager, the sassiness, the hard-headedness, the intelligence. I like it. Like, she's doing a great job, this girl. Oh, I dropped the ball here in my recap, by the way, talking about Damon. One thing that Damon does in this episode that I forgot to mention is that he makes a move on Laris's sister. And very importantly, in the coming attractions on the next episode, we see that they're together, probably married now because he is no longer married and she's pregnant. So he has successfully impregnated this Valerian princess. There's something to look forward to. Interesting. And we also see a lot of very evil kids. They're saying like, you know, we have three bad kids. I don't even know whose kids these are. That's a little vague there. But it looks like we have some evil, evil heirs <laughs> coming uh, in the pipeline as well. So Ooh, all, all to be seen. I'm excited. Yeah. And goodbye to the young actresses who've done such an incredible job. And I actually worry now that, you know, I was early on. I could not wait to see the older actresses, these more established actresses playing these roles. And I'm like, okay, how many episodes do we have to see the young actresses? And now I think they've done such an incredible job. I'm really going to miss this actress playing Alicent and this actress playing Renera. 
So yep. hoping that the new actresses are able to pick that up. I also found it very interesting. I like multiple conversations in this episode where we have this kind of dynamic of the young versus the older generations where you know we've seen over the course of the show where Renera and where Alicent are telling their dads, that's the way things are now, but things are going to be different like in this new future, right? And it's like this, the process of seeing people beaten down, like those kind of idealistic, like, but the future is going to be different. And then like, they become parents. And all of a sudden they're like, you think you could change things, but nothing ever changes. You know, like, so it's like, it's the cycle of history really. And I find that interesting as well. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. I haven't even read the reviews, but great show. I don't know what they're saying out there, honestly. For this episode or for the show in general? For the show in general. The reviews are mixed. I mean, they're, they're they're positive, but there's a lot of the things that the criticisms you brought up, I think, you know, it's not expansive enough or some people are saying like, oh, it just feels like fan fiction. It's just like they're just trying to copy Game of Thrones all over again. But I think the fans, uh, the audiences are enjoying the show very much. So. The uh, reviews among fans have been strong, I think. And the ratings have been great. So it's going to be a hit for them for sure. Already is. I mean, at this point, their biggest hit they've had since Game of Thrones, obviously. So not like Westworld. <laughs> Down the toilet. Down the toilet. <laughs> oh my gosh. We keep talking about it because it's so terrible. Yeah, the ratings were terrible for this season. I am pretty sure they're not going to come back for season five, but I don't know. I didn't think they were going to come back for season four after season three, and they did. So I, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what they, they not, were thinking. They've not given it a green light, so they're still waiting for that. Did you see anything else? I mean, do you want to recommend anything before we go? Let's see. I'm watching this, and I did see Two Revenge. What was it? Do Revenge. Do Revenge. I saw that on Saturday night when we got home. Yeah. It is really good. There are twists that pop up that, again, I'm not going to even give you a hint <laughs> of what they could be, but you will like them. They were interesting to me. So I like that. The acting's really good. I like everyone's weird fashion. I know I keep bringing up the fashion, but it is a big deal in these you know, people are putting a lot of thought into this. So lots of weird fashion in a good way. Somehow it works on these people. And it's the type of show that I think all ages could watch yeah. within reason because there is some sex and there is some violence, but it's a great throwback to their, what was that? Well, I don't know. I didn't really think it was as comparable to Heather's as to what was that show? It had um, Ryan Felipe. Oh, um, uh, Cruel Intentions. Is that what it's called? It reminded me a little bit more of Cruel Intentions than it did Heather's. I've heard it described as the uh, Heather's and Strangers on a Train because the premise is Strangers on the Train, right? Where people switch their, you know, in that case, they switch murders. In this case, they switch revenges, right? I do like uh, like a entertaining, not even thriller, I was going to say, just even like these comedies. I mean, there's some real classics when you think about like Fast Times at Richmond High or Heathers, obviously, or Cruel Intentions, which is like Dangerous Liaisons in high school, <laughs> basically, which I don't like that movie, by the way. But, uh, but one I do really do like a lot, and it's just a straight up comedy, is Clueless. Clueless is incredible. It's such a great film. And I guess that's kind of a, an adaptation of an old, that's Emma, right? The, the uh, Jane Austen novel. So anyway, it's kind of, you know what, and 10, and 10 Things I Hate About You is Taming of the Shrew. So you know what, maybe we need more uh, teen comedies that are actual remakes of old classic movies. <laughs> maybe that's what we that need. That are smart, but yes, Heathers smart. is one of my favorite movies. Yes. This did not remind me of Heathers. Heathers was way darker yes, than yes. this is. Way darker. 
No spoilers. I really think you should just go in without reading anything about it. Yeah. It's very good. All right. All right. We'll be watching it and discussing it in the next episode. See you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.